Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Esther, I'm surprised to see you here. I almost did not show up. (laughs) I almost just decided to go straight from yoga and go to bed because bed was very alluring for today. Well, and also, uh, I thought that you were going to abandon me because Kickstarter has taken your place. Yes. Kickstarter (laughs) is dead to me now. And so is Holly. But I have people on my side that I can still be friends with. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so what we're what we're talking about is that this deck that I swear to God, we had talked about something similar a really long time ago. And so when Kim from Fables Den actually created way better than we ever could, this oh, awesome yeah, yeah, spread could machine, imagined, like yeah. a thousand times better than any of our greatest imaginings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not at all trying to say that we like, Oh, started no, not this idea. It just is <laughs> such a good idea. And I'm so yeah. happy that it happened. It's called the spread machine. It's on Kickstarter now. And Kim is a little tiny bit of a chaos demon. And so she created this like <laughs> hyper exclusive tier of 15 spots. And we broke Kickstarter essentially. Yeah. And it's the 15 spots are like this incredible deal for the deck and all of its expansion packs for like a third of the cost that it is. If yeah. you back all of that regularly uh and we broke i swear to god i think we broke kickstarter i mean i think so because it wasn't showing up in anybody's anything we just got confirmation emails so we're like okay i guess we're back i guess we did it yeah i guess so i tried but we all had (laughs) like alarm set and we were so raring to go and esther's i was awake at 30 in the morning for this (laughs) i was i was even the night before i'm like okay i was discussing with rachel i was like okay rachel do I wake up and even attempt to get this blood bath tier or do I just stay asleep and just kind of accept defeat ahead of time? But <laughs> I woke up at 1.30 and I thought that it was like kickstartering off at two o'clock, but then I mismathed the Pacific Standard Time. Oh, shoot. I thought I it like, was also kickstartering off at two o'clock for your time. No, it was three o'clock oh, my time. Girl. So I had been up for an hour and a half <laughs> waiting because I was like, okay. I can't go to sleep now because I'm already awake. That explains your and rage so much more. Yes. So <laughs> so I was just like, uh, so from now on, please do specific time. I, yeah, I think Pacific time anything. is the hardest for Esther. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I got it. But it was also super yes. confusing because Kickstarter. Well, first of all, I'm a complete weirdo about I have a super backer on Kickstarter, which I've said before. I don't know what it means. And I have a lot of shame about it. There's no perks. Exactly. But because I knew that it was going to be a bloodbath, I like went on and backed this like flossing machine that had like 450% (laughs) of its fundraising goals met just to make sure that all of my like information was going to work. Yeah. So like three minutes before it went live, I backed this floss machine, which actually is really cool. Like it basically is like a water pick, but it's like in a C shape. So it goes all the way around your entire teeth. Uh, but it was also like $150. So I definitely canceled that pledge like immediately (laughs) after, but I, since I had just done that, I knew that everything was going to work. And then I Googled atomic clock and was literally watching a countdown on an atomic clock and then pressed refresh, like right at 11 specifically. Yeah. So I got the bloodbath here and I thought that you were going to abandon me forever out of frustration and rage that your Kickstarter betrayed you this way. (laughs) Thankfully this, this week, 
Esther's found yoga. Yeah. And so I was able to channel all of that negative energy for two days in a row because <laughs> it happened yesterday. So for two days in a row, I have been channeling that negative energy elsewhere. Do you have any Scorpio so, placements? No, but I think all the cancer kind of makes me an honorary Scorpio. <laughs> like just all of them placed on top of each other. It's like, okay, yeah. she's so crabby and it's yeah. cancer season. Yeah. So it's basically, I'm like an honorary Scorpio. Yeah, point, totally. So. I, I relate to that. Um, I, cause it's, yeah, it's hard. This season has been yeah. hard. But anyway, I probably shouldn't have brought it up again then. <laughs> But I'm glad That's, you have mindfulness to help you with this. Yes, mindfulness <laughs> has has saved the podcast yet again. <laughs> Yes, you hey. are. I forgot. Well, I was I was being too mindful and forgot. Too okay. in the moment. Okay. Let me get back to my happy place. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, So the card of the day just flung herself out here, and it's one of my favorite from this deck. The I, I can oh, never Ace pronounce it. This Sada Burrito. I'm just going to say Salsa Burrito because it's Japanese and I could never pronounce anything Japanese. That is so cute. So she is the Ace of Pentacles, and I love her hair and the flower in her hair and the pentacle that's on her forehead. So and there's a bee. A bee. So I'm excited. That's so nice. Yeah, an Ace of Pentacles is nice when we almost just ended the podcast over a Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> well, there's there's an it's a new start. It's that's an exactly saying. from exactly. this point forward, we're planting something new. Poor Kim posted an apology for I that bloodbath here on did. her Instagram story. I know. I responded because because I responded. And I'm like, it's okay. It was fine. I mean, it's it's just you know, it's just it wasn't her fault. It was Kickstarter's yeah. like basically like their platform essentially decided to explode. Yeah, so. totally, totally. It had this rush of activity and it couldn't handle it. It really couldn't. <laughs> Everyone was super fault. excited, which is why they should buy, everyone should back the deck because it's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I guess we could give it a little bit more of a plug. Basically, it's like all of the car, it can be used as an Oracle deck too, but all of the cards have kind of like positions, like spread positions on it. So if you're not somebody who's really that confident with spread creation, it could be fun to kind of play around with or for practice or whatever. But I really just think that it's like, First of all, beautiful because Kim yeah. has such an eye for colors and font and like yeah. the actual thoughtfulness of the deck is amazing. And I also just think it's such a cool idea to have sort of a tool to use when you want to read, but you're not sure. Like rather than just saying, give me some general energy, you can pull a bunch of cards from that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically like a core deck and then there's like expansion packs. So if you wanted to add in shadow work and things like that, like those, that's, I think that's a really neat component because you don't need those expansion packs all the time. But if you get them, they're available for you. And you can have them. And you can like even just go through and see like before she even did Kickstarter, when she had like Patreon and her own like, um, like Facebook group and stuff. She's like an amazing spread creator. Such a good spread creator. And all of her spreads are so so fucking cute too. It's like a really good combination of the spread looking really good because she's like this cute, cute, cutie, cute artist and also yeah. being so thoughtful and well laid out that it's like kind yeah. of a per she's like a perfect spread creator. So it's yeah, cool yeah. that she's doing this anyway. Uh, what happened? Where are we? What's going on? 
add a Patreon Oh, channel. yeah. Jamie Sawyer is our new Patreon supporter. Yay. I love Jamie so much. Me too. Uh, shall you pull a card for her or shall I? Uh, yeah, I can. I can pull a card because I have a deck in my hand that I was nervously shuffling. So let's see. Jamie. Jamie, your card is Justice. Ooh. Ooh I like that. I do too. So good. Yeah. And we have just one. I think we just have one announcement this week. And that is that inspired by several podcasts that we listen to, we're going to be kind of doing like a hybrid hiatus sort of summer model over the next two months. Yeah. Through August, uh, we will be releasing new content every other week. And then in the intervening weeks, we will be releasing, re-releasing our intro to tarot episodes and our episodes where we kind of do like little intros to Lenormand. It's kind of like a little summer school thing. And it also gives us the chance to catch up with our real lives. Yes. With our day jobs that are... (laughs) you know, still there. And in Esther's case, happening in person and to an extreme degree. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And usually my summer schedule gets absolutely chaotic. So this is a nice like balance for me to be able to do both things that I need to get. Yeah, exactly. The podcast as well as my actual real job. Yeah. And then also the other component of continuing to you know, grow as a person and be a good friend and a good spouse and a good dog mom. And, you know, like all of those things that kind of end up getting pushed to the wayside when we're going full throttle in both our real jobs and the podcast. So yeah, uh, it's going to be great. I'm excited to listen back to those episodes from some of them as early as the beginning of 2019. (laughs) Some of these episodes have rolled off Apple podcasts. So it'll be a nice introduction for those who have been following and hopefully yeah. get to learn some stuff. Totally. So I think that's going to be awesome. So next week we'll be releasing one of those re-release episodes. And then the following week we'll have a regularly scheduled episode. And we'll just go back and forth like that until uh, the beginning of September. And yeah, it's all exciting stuff. Yay. Woohoo! We did it. <laughs> we did. I was about to make a theme song for 2020 summer school. If you, if that doesn't appear in the podcast, then I'm done. <laughs> You're done. Okay. I'm going to be doing it with that theme song. Yeah, that one. Okay. exactly. <laughs> Question one is from Cancer Moon. I come from a heavily evangelical family from all sides in the USA. We are polar opposites and they think they're open-minded, but actions say otherwise. I imagine I can't be the only one who listens to the podcast in this situation. So who is trying to have conversations with their MAGA equals Christian family, but is faced with deaf ears and a desire to quit trying? Even when I attempt to explain things through the lens of Jesus, I am met with defeat and frustration. Whenever I try pulling cards for the, for the relationship, I get two in my head and I rarely trust my feelings. I guess my question is, what would be effective to break off from and ceasing communication with my family to perhaps ignite an awakening? Or is it still my job to try to find a way for them to understand and passively fight, knowing I'm not the daughter they thought they knew? It's lonely and frustrating. I want to give up, but I don't know if that's right. And on either outcome, there comes immense pain and I don't know how to deal. Thank you both for your time and consideration for this question for the podcast. I love your podcast and all the passionate work you do to keep it thriving. Thank you, Cancer Moon. Yeah. 
Uh, I didn't realize how much that aligned with what you're dealing with right now Very until you like, said it out loud. And then I was like, oh, Esther. And then I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the question is actually much longer. And she talks a lot about the things that she's doing to work against her family's like frustratingness and their beliefs yes. and who she's contributing to and the marches she's going to and stuff like that. So I think that that's like important context, but also it makes the question really long. So we just edited yes. that out, but it's there. She's doing active things beyond just trying to help her family understand via Jesus. Yeah. And Esther, I know that this might be too vulnerable of a thing for you to talk about, but I know that when you first started having the most trouble with communicating with your family about this stuff, you also went to the utilizing the Bible to convince them place. Right. Also with very little success. Although you do have siblings who have reached out to you and thanked you for. Yeah. It's, it's a spectrum with my family. Um, there are definitely some that are more, I don't, they're not actually liberal. They're just more liberal on the conservative scale. Yeah, totally. And there are some that are extremely conservative. That was a snake falling. Okay. <laughs> I was Your really house scary. is like, boom. very exciting. <laughs> um, also, so, if you, oh, you yeah. haven't talked about the reptiles that much lately, so I do think it should be noted oh, yeah. that it's a pet snake in a vivarium, snake, not a just vivarium, like yes. snakes falling. <laughs> Roaming around. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like a jungle in my house. <laughs> Oh, that's, well, that's kind of a bit kind of beautiful like visualization. I, mean, <laughs> I like the idea of you just having like low hanging trees all over. I mean, it would be nice. It would be so nice. Could you imagine how peaceful that would be? I would so be so nice. <laughs> I, I would love that. Maybe that's a new visualization exercise we could do when we're trying to oh, be calm. Like just imagining in. our rooms slowly covering in vine almost. Yeah. Well, that was like where the wild things are where he yeah. was falling asleep and then like like very much like that. Exactly. Aww. I taught that two weeks ago, so that's why it's fresh in my brain. Okay. <laughs> um. So where do I, I? It's hard to know where to start. Yeah. Because it's even with trying to reason with people, it's I have learned it sort of pushes them into feeling more protected kind of like a four of pentacles like a toxic four yeah of yeah like, this is my idea this is my this is my concept like how dare you even use jesus i think that I there would use also jesus. is research to back that up like sometimes yeah. it causes further radicalization for people to be confronted yeah so i've done a more like, if someone asks a question, like, in family chat or whatever, I will use the Jesus lens mm -hmm. for my perspective, even though I don't – I'm a pagan. I don't believe Jesus woo-woo stuff anymore. Um, because I was theologically trained in that, it's a comfortable mask to slip into. Yeah, and totally. It's something – it's a language that they understand, and I'm meeting them where they're at. But I don't really give my opinion anymore. Like – outright if the conversation comes up and there are questions or like even if we're talking about like covid stuff like i will just kind of like throw something out there but it's more where i was 
like trained in a Bible study. Yeah. When you're leading people in a group of people, you don't tell them the answer because they won't hear the answer. Yeah. It's it's kind of a, I don't want to say manipulation tactic. No, but it's, it's a, the Socratic method of asking questions yeah, to get where people you to... ask questions like leading questions yeah. like oh what about this like what what do you think about this and kind of like le- it, it helps lead them to the, a conclusion about it without you having to like I don't want to say force it down their throat but without you having to defend your position from the beginning right and that's like that's not just with Bible-y stuff that's like oh, something yeah. that is a very established method throughout all things. So it's totally valid. Like it's not the same as not speaking up. I think I'm using air quotes. Like that's such a useful thing to use in an audio medium. But (laughs) I, I think that like the Socratic method is really, really functional. But if you're worried that you're not speaking up enough, it can feel like silence or can feel like you're kind of like not, but it's still a valid form of rhetoric. Yeah. So, and I found more success in um instead of like through I'll just give a personal antidote. So through the Black Lives Matter stuff that was going on, of course my family is not speaking up saying anything. They're mm-hmm. not posting anything. If any if they're posting anything, it's the opposite of like all lives matter, yeah, yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like yeah. the harmful language. And instead of me in family chat addressing the issues or me saying my opinion, I formed a Facebook post and then in the post said, I'm not entertaining comments. This is just what I think. And family members, like with the reasoning I gave, not directed towards anybody or anything. Yeah. Just expressing myself as an individual and like whittling it down kind of not in their language necessarily, but in a language they could understand and like being able to kind of ace of sorts through the bullshit that they were consuming. Yeah. It through that, like I had immediate family members come to me and say like, Oh, I've been wrong with this thinking like black lives do matter. Like this is not something that should have been questioned. And I should have said something. Yeah. Before. Like there was no, re- not like, Oh, I didn't realize that, but more like, Oh, now I'm seeing the difference. Now I, now see, I see what, what you mean about the all lives matter thing. Right. It's actually kind so, of interesting yeah. reading your writing. That's on sort of like your family friendly Facebook post because you're like an incredible writer either way. But the, way that you phrase things is so different from the way that I'm used to you phrasing things. Cause you are trying mm-hmm. to be really accessible to family that, you know, disagrees with you. Yeah. And so you, it's just like beautiful to watch because you're like such a strong and compelling writer, but it always like is not, but it's just always is something that I always want to read like three or four times to be like, wow, yeah. like she is, nailing this so when you're <laughs> when your immediate family members who did reach out to you reached out to you it was like so cool and affirming that there is that openness or like mm-hmm. I guess opportunity for the understanding but I think that the problem is that like maybe that's more rare maybe you maybe you because you have all you have like three dozen siblings maybe (laughs) it's like a volume of siblings thing where like you have more of a statistic possibility of like getting through to them that this cancer moon is not experienced they would not have yeah yeah i didn't remember i didn't remember seeing i mean their assemblies of god which is 
adjacent to what I grew up with. But it did they didn't remark on how many family members are dealing with. Yeah. But at the same time, like I get like feeling that pressure of always having to brace yourself going into a conversation. Any conversation. Like, yeah, totally. Any conversation. Like even like my dad getting a NRA baseball cap for his birthday or, you know, I, today posting something about like medication, right. like what you should take. And that's COVID. exactly like, what I was going to say. I think that like, the, like this has been a consistent problem for your, you and your family for like oh, ever since you basically stopped being Christian and haven't told them yet. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like with the COVID stuff, it got especially bad right as it was expanding into the United States and you'd Mm -hmm. been living with all of the restrictions for literally months and the amount of the addition of the full blown dismissal of your lived experience was kind of like, to me as your friend, a huge turning point where it stopped being something where it was like, okay, well, you know, they're just you know, They're in denial okay. or whatever and yeah. started being like, this is hurting me and right. I wish that they would right. stop. And so I think that right. that's like, maybe also maybe, uh, maybe we should think about rephrasing or reframeworking the question that cancer moon asks, because I don't know if it's as black and white as just like not speaking, not, I mean, speaking, obviously right. not speaking to them is probably not even what cancer moon has in mind, but like, like, Maybe like reading for establishing boundaries and how to move forward Mm -hmm. rather than like, should you still be in these relationships or not? Right. Would be more helpful because I think that that's where you went when you started getting dismissed left, right and center of not like, well, you know, fuck you guys. I'm never speaking to you again, but more like, how can I make it so that the things that you're saying don't hurt me as much as they have been hurting me? Because that's yeah, like that was the hardest part is that they were hurting you. Yeah. And, you know, seeing like me from the beginning, like warning them when it first came to Korea, like me telling them you need to get masks, you need to, you know, get yeah. sanitizer, you need to stock up on those things now, like two weeks, three weeks before. And they were like, okay, we picked up some things, blah, 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 blah. But it's, they're just not following through. There's no like, I'm they seeing were like immediately like, going to visit elderly family members family in different members, states, yeah. like immediately. It's just like, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah. So it's like establishing those boundaries and knowing how, to, like in what direction to establish those boundaries was really helpful because like either way they're family. Like, yeah. And I'm not saying you shouldn't cut them off. I'm not saying you, you know, you don't have a right to cut them off. But perhaps, like, establishing boundaries will make it more tolerable and not as hurtful as it has been. Especially if you're not ready to cut them all off, which it seems like if you've done a lot of readings, Cancer Moon, and, like, haven't been able to get anything that feels very clear, then you might not be in the spot where you're, like, quite ready to cut them out. Uh, Right. And, I, I mean, I always am a little bit wary about the, like, you know, their family stick with it sort of thing, just because I do think that that can get so toxic. But if you're feeling like, and I get the impression from this question that she's feeling really conflicted about it in general, but also like, I, I mean, I, the amount of emails that we've gotten from listeners of who had similar childhood and background to you, who've said like, it's so amazing to like hear Esther talk about this or whatever. Like there are a lot of people who aren't the children their parents knew Yeah. And you can find those people and they can bring you great, great comfort. And so I think just like maybe even starting to look and like, 
ex-fundy Facebook groups or whatever. They exist yeah. out there in the world. There's they like do. Reddit yeah. subthreads if you're not a Facebook person. Uh, there are ways to sort of like get confirmation that sometimes not being the daughter that they thought they knew is good and fine and a good yeah. place to be and okay. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, you have to be content and happy with where you are in your life. And if they're not joining you on that journey, then it's their fault for missing out. Yeah. Like if they're missing you know, out, and- I mean, I think I tell that to as I tell that to you all the time. Like you, the fact that nobody in your family gets to know how badass and amazing you are. Like you have, we put hours and hours and hours of work into this podcast each week. You have all these people who look up to you. We have like this community that you've built and your family does not know any of that. They don't even know that you like, aren't Christian. Like you're, it yeah. just, it just to me makes me so sad for them that they don't get to know you and the way that all of us get yeah. to know you. And that's on them. If they were like right. slightly more <laughs> open to stuff, I open feel like and accepting. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you like, don't you have a cousin who's like kind of see, I mean, it's yeah, still yeah, kind yeah. of like the, that like liberal conservative Christian thing where it's like, they actually care about women and children. And so suddenly right. they're <laughs> radical within that com- within radical, your community. Right. Or within yeah. the community you grew up in. Uh, and you have, like, a cousin who kind of, like, has yeah, sort I have, of... Yeah, like, I have a cousin, cousin who's an atheist, and she kind of knows stuff when I told her, when, whenever we kind of catch up here and there and stuff. But I don't say things because... Not that I don't trust her, but at yeah. any moment something could slip out, and it's not her fault necessarily, but it's... Her, my fault for giving her all that information. Exactly. So. <laughs> you're just such a cancer. I'll, you're like, yeah, I, well, no one can hurt me if I just keep everything in my if shell. If I just keep it every to myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my shell is really, really big. So <laughs> I'm going to keep it to myself. So I think that, yeah, we could maybe starting with, I don't, yeah, I don't think that saying, would it be effective to break off and cease communication is the place to start. I feel like, no. like maybe how to interact yeah, and what, how I to protect like, yourself? What boundaries? Yeah, how to interact. Like how to how to approach conversations? Yeah, something like that because those are kind of the tools as an ex fundy that you sort of need. Yeah, like that that sense of like, okay, this is my protected space of okay. If I approach them from this aspect, then maybe I will not be more impactful, but that you that maybe a, like a little seed will be planted along the way. Yeah. I, that's how I kind of see my interactions with my family. I'm just like, I'm planting little seeds of interaction. So in the future, if someone has a question, then they, they can see yeah. me as a safe person yeah. to ask questions totally. with. For whatever. English is hard. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's maybe start with how to approach conversations and then move into the boundary setting. Oh, the page of pentacles just flew out at me. Okay. And I got the nine of cups. And I got the wheel of fortune and the magician. Okay. So I think that for approaching that conversation, then the magician and the wheel of fortune. So the wheel of fortune is one of those interesting cards where like you and I don't necessarily see it in exactly the same way, but right. I feel in this context, it's probably more similar to how you see it, which is the idea that we don't really have that much control anyway. Yeah. 
and things are yeah. going to keep moving on without us. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's, it's just basically it always says it's going to be okay. Like it's, there's going to be, it's going to be chaotic. Your, your interaction with your family is going to be chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't control that chaos. You can only control yourself. And that's why I think the magician and nine of cups come into play because the magician is very self controlling right they know themselves they've got that they know that they've got the power and that's when like the nine of with the nine of cups like they're pleased oh, did with you, where they is are it in their night life. or nine nine oh, okay nine. that's what i thought you said anyway so good i'm glad yeah. that i'm not losing my entire <laughs> okay. mind uh i but i love that yeah. combination because it's especially with it being a cups it's like like sort of realizing what you can control and what you can't control and what you can control is your own emotional security and knowing that you're right and also, yeah. and that's like the magician is talking about like what you can control in the situation and the wheel of fortune is kind of like, it's going to keep rolling on without you, but what you can focus on in these communications is just kind of like the other funny thing about the night, the nine of cups that I'm thinking about right now is that in the RWS, it's like, there's some smugness there, which I think is valuable yes. in these situations because then it won't feel so like, there's almost sort of like the righteous indignation that is yeah. useful and having these conversations like, you know, you're right. You know, you're doing the work, you know, that you're X, Y, and Z. So when you're in that conversation, you could just be like that guy in the nine of cups sitting there with your arms crossed, thinking about how emotionally stable you are with all those nine cups behind you. Just like, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know like, I can't control you. Yeah. It's like, he has like an attitude that he's unfuck with a bull. Yeah. Like, he's like, you can't touch me. Yeah. Like I could, I'm going to be able to say all of my stuff and I'm not going to change my opinion and I'm not coming in to change your opinion. Yeah. This, these are my cups and look at my cups. Yeah. Look at them. These They're cups already are the right here. Cups. Exactly. They're here. They're the right cups. And it doesn't, just because you feel that, you know, like, because they're on the defense, they, just because you feel assaulted by yeah. my thought process doesn't mean that my cups are wrong. Yeah, totally. You know? And I also really love that the, uh, that it just comes like the six, seven, eight, no, sorry, seven, eight, nine of cups sequence. I really yes. like, because there's like components of like making a decision, like turning your back on stuff and then being really mm -hmm. proud of yourself. And so if you're in the middle of that transition, then maybe that's why it feels a little bit more like, I guess the decision is to cut them all completely off. But that's the beauty of the, why I'm like so worried that I'm going to fuck up which card is which and I, which is so weird and unlike me. Hold on one second. Oh. Do you ever get okay. that where you're like, I I've been doing this for years and my brain is still like, wait a second. Yeah. Am I misremembering which cup is which? <laughs> and does that undermine me as a human that I'm like forgetting? Forgetting which it is? Yeah. Yeah, because I was all, I was so, I was getting my brain all messed up thinking that the eight of cups was the six of cups. Okay, so yeah. Uh, that whole, the set, I, I knew what I was saying. I just started second guessing myself. Yeah, How frustrating. Right. You're fine. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the seven, I'm just like reflecting on the fact that we get so many questions from people who are like, I feel like I'm not doing this right. And we're like, Oh no, it's no problem. And then when I feel like I'm not doing something right, I'm like, <laughs> Esther, shut it down. <laughs> Somebody get me a book. But no, I think that maybe like may, this could be also saying that right now you're more in like the seven of cups mode of feeling like you have to decide how to move forward. And so your gut reaction is to leave like the eight of cups, like just, you know, mm -hmm. sort of turn your back on it and walk away. But that's not necessarily what the eight of cups could mean in that sequence. It could also mean that you're just like creating those boundaries and setting yourself up to be that nine of cups, smug 
dude saying like, I yeah. know I'm right. And I'm choosing to know that I'm right and not letting your opinion about me as your family member impact my own like commitment to what I know is yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that a lot with the magician too, because it's like you are kind of in charge of creating that confirmation within yourself. And so everything mm -hmm. that's sort of theirs is like something that's going to keep rolling on without you, but you can control how you feel in those situations and how you feel can be, you know, I got this. I know yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the situation with that self-confidence that you're untouchable is probably going to change a lot of how their words affect you. And that's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah, totally. In all of this, because you need to have a relationship with them where you're not being hurt constantly. Yeah. Or and this is a way for you to be able to have conversations with your family. Totally. And if it still continues to be really bad and you still feel really, really terrible about it, then maybe revisit it and think about like cutting and running. But I think that the way that the question was wording, there's still some like teasing out some. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I guess like feelings of guilt and shame around not being yeah. as good of a child. Again, air quotes, God damn it. As good of a child as they expected you to be. Uh, but I think that like just continuing to work through your own feelings about that can kind of mm -hmm. go along with feeling really confident about your own self. Right. And that a lot of that guilt is from our religious past. Yeah, too, totally. Because it's the, it's them determining what makes a good or bad child, not what's reality of what a good and bad child is. Totally. Totally. So um, don't allow that to kind of continue to be the, a reason for you to stay or for you to go, you know, kind of look at that as a way of, I don't want to say ignore it, but it, before it becomes toxic in you and, something happens to a family member. You're like, I, w I wasn't a good daughter. This yeah. happened because of this. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, don't let your brain do that to you. Don't let your brain do that to you at all. Like don't let it spiral. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm like afraid of is like it going to like an, in, like an nth degree of yeah. like, shame and blame because this is my fault. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Esther, I love you. You're so good at this. <laughs> You've just dealt with a lot of <sighs> your own stuff. Very effectively. Yeah. And sometimes that means raging at your uh, ancestors a, or, you know. Or raging at Holly because she got a Kickstarter deal <laughs> before I did. Misdirected, huh? Okay. Huh? All right. I don't know. Projection? All right. I like it. <laughs> All right. So let's pull some cards for then creating those boundaries. Yeah. And then, yeah, hopefully that helps. Let's see. It just makes my, like, silly little Episcopalian upbringing seem like such a joke. <laughs> Like I, I've said before, if I grew up like as a liberal Christian, like Episcopalian, Anglican, like the more like liberal-ish of those parties, I probably would still be a Christian because, you know, they're not oppressive, but because they were oppressive, it caused There's me There's oppressive components oh, of yeah, yeah, any, yeah. Any, any organized religion has some yeah. absolute bullshit. It's just even paganism. Yeah, shit, exactly. So. <laughs> I think that that's why people are so drawn to kind of like chaos magic and like non-structured magical practices, magic. because if you are part of a community that of any organized religion, there's a lot of terrible stuff. I mean, people yeah, abuse yeah, yeah. each other in the name of religion when no matter what it is like anything. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I think that that's always why just be are... careful. Everyone just be careful. Yeah. If somebody is claiming to be a... no one's perfect. Exactly. Are you listening to that podcast guru? No, I heard about it when like Tuesday. It and just I... came out. It just came out. Okay. I think I heard it was good though. It's good. They've been dropping two episodes at a time for the last like week and a half. So I think that there's maybe four out right now and it's like a wellness community thing. Like it's fully like, like people died because this, you know, Oprah approved the secret, you know, guy, uh, basically sweat lodged them to death. Yeah. In the name yeah. of spiritual enlightenment. So there's always room for that abusive stuff, no matter where. Exactly. It is. But yeah. anyway, so setting boundaries, Cancer Moon, how to set boundaries. Do we want to do how to set boundaries or where to set boundaries? Let's do how. Yeah, I think how, because I feel like they can intuitively like know where to place where, those boundaries. Yeah, because there are going to be some yeah. people that are fine. Yeah. Oh. I got the seven of swords and the king of swords. <laughs> Okay. And I got the Hierophant. Oh, yeah. I so think that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So the boundaries that you're setting then would be to, again, sort of like put yourself in this leadership position about yourself. You're rational about it. You're, you know, using your spiritual self to feel connected with, you know, how you can benefit people in the real world, like the Hierophant in its best form can be. So then the Seven of Swords would be like, the way to set boundaries is to collect information rather than necessarily giving information. Right. Or I guess even the hierophant could be like, if somebody asks, then tell them. Well, but yeah. Otherwise I, to just me with the seven of swords. Yeah. For me, the hierophant and seven of swords is like, be more subversive than a, like, like confrontation with your information. Yeah. Confrontation. And not saying that you were confrontational. No, no, saying, no. It's 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 the approach is what's mattering right now because to me the the seven of swords is very like of a much of a approach sometimes yeah like you're approaching a situation kind of like easing in there you know t- it's <laughs> you know and with the hierophant it's of course that spiritual leader and also it's he's a spe- well he the hierophant is a spiritual leader see that that's how fucked confident. up any organized religion gets our brains oh, yeah. yeah is it even a man on the- that card. <laughs> Yeah, it is a man on my card. Okay. Yeah. But just in general, like, I was just trying to, like, de-gender. No, and you're um, totally but, right. Yeah. And that's, like, a huge thing with the Hierophant for us that we've kind of talked about yeah. before. Is that, kind like, of toxicity. Yeah, yeah, it's always sort of, like, I mean, even just the original, you know, Terra de Marseille, <laughs> the Pope idea. It's, yeah. like, so ingrained that it's this, like, masculine, masculine form of thing. power. But I also yeah. kind of like the combination of the Hierophant and the King of Swords because it's kind of, like, both having that ability to be a teacher, but also being really hyper sharp with yourself about where you're going to direct that energy. Like you're not flinging mm-hmm. that intellectual energy of trying to prove people right. wrong or whatever, all over the place all the time, because right. you know, you can't in your family dynamic. So gathering information and being really like sharp and like precise with that teaching is kind of like what all three of those cards together could be. Yeah, especially like it's kind of like knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them, yeah. sort of thing. Like you know, it's it's like knowing when to play your cards, knowing when the exact <laughs> when moment is that you. Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> You're gonna find. I don't even know the rest of that verse. <laughs> no, don't know it. We're just moving on. We're ignoring that completely. We're uh, pretending no. <laughs> that that wasn't a song that almost got sung. <laughs> and and us have like an RIAA um, slash against this copyright claim. Um, 
But it's like where you know the you like there's that confidence within the Hierophant and the King of Swords. Yeah, where they know how to use that information that they have. They they are very confident in themselves. And they know exactly the words to say yeah. and when to say it to yeah. precisely hit the mark. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's not, to, you know, we have no emotional vulnerability here. No. It's not you using your own story. It's not you using your um your own things. Or it's even appealing to their emotions. Their emotions, yeah. And that's also yeah. super interesting because in the ways to approach the conversation, there's you with all this emotional security but then in boundary setting, there's no emotions whatsoever. It's like the most yeah. like sharp to the point. Like I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to use my words. It's two swords and yeah. a higher font. Those yeah. are like the most closed off, like mentally secure people yeah. in the, you know, it's like the king of swords is like the most mentally secure. He's super confident in it, the king. Sorry. They're super confident in themselves. They know their stuff yeah. as well as a higher font. And I think it's just like that double layering of you being right as the magician yeah. and you have that emotional security within yourself and you using that and keeping that to yourself. And then when you're interacting with your family as a boundary, yeah. you're being very specific. In yeah, your totally. Totally. Yep. I love it. And that's like, I, and also I don't know why I'm feeling, I think it's just like the retrograde and cancer season and everything that's making me compelled to say like, this is specifically for Cancer Moon. We're not saying that everybody needs to Everyone tone needs police to, yeah. and be like only hyper rational all the time. But the, this is directly to this question and this right. question askers family situation. So yeah. if you feel like your family would work better when confronted with, you know, your story or emotional stories or whatever, that's fine. Cancer Moon, yeah. maybe not so much. Just be super, super sharp and intentional with where you decide to expend your teaching energy. Yeah. Good luck, girl. Or Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good luck, good, Cancer good, good. Moon. Uh, that was a really heavy one. Thank you for being so open yeah, with your stuff. Yeah. yeah I know. Oh, oh, I thought I was talking to Cancer Moon. I didn't. I was talking to you, <laughs> Esther. <laughs> Esther Thea. I'm incapable of... Um, accepting comments. So, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> just, just my, my, my crab shell is very close. So should we just like quickly take one deep breath and visualize it cracking open slightly? <laughs> just one. I was thinking of, of the jungle coming in. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that more because normally my visualization for grounding is me growing roots into the ground. Yeah. But a component of that, that also makes me feel really peaceful is also seeing vines and greenery come into my come out and kind zone. of grow into you. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of coming from all angles instead of just my own feet into cool ground, having yeah. like the walls cover in greenery brings that earthiness mm. even further in. Gotta love it. Ka. Yep. And then like, suddenly there's like a whole horror. Then your snakes <laughs> will be part just of fall it from the ceiling. Yeah. Just fall <laughs> straight from the ceiling. <laughs> They're all so pretty. I wouldn't yeah, hate that. Okay, our second question is also, like, very, very, very opposite from a, like, emotional perspective of the first one, which is, have either of you ever taken tarot classes online? I'd like to take one this summer, but I can't decide which one would be right for me. I'm willing to pay for it, but not too much. Any suggestions? So you have taken a lot more tarot classes than I have. Yes. I've taken a lot. Usually, Ethany, I believe, is in the middle of her tum... Her tummer tarot. <laughs> 
That was really bad. She offers a lot of options and they're pretty, I mean, generally fairly affordable. Right. Yeah. Her, yeah, her summer school classes are like maybe like, I think it's like 200 something for all eight of them, but it's like $35, $40. It depends on the teacher that's providing the class. Typically, like they kind of set the price. Yeah, totally. On materials and stuff like that. Like usually Benabelle's when she's done classes in the past, they're like in the $30 range and then other people are in the $40 range. This year, nothing really piqued my interest as Same. far as like summer school. Cause usually like if Benabelle does a class for summer school, like I'm on it. And but Benabelle also has like her entire roster of classes like available on her website at for any time, any time. And it's like very inexpensive and, and it's accessible usually with YouTube videos with tons of do- it's like for her, it's taking a like college level course in tarot. <laughs> there is like a dissertation. Not really. There's not a dissertation. There's um, what's it called? The first thing you get from the professor syllabus. like about the, if there's like a syllabus involved and there's like tons, like 400 pages of printing you can do. Dang. So her, her courses are affordable, accessible, and they have tons of information. So for the summer school, Kellyanne Maddox has this, like from past years there, hers is still available called giving an empowering reading. Yeah. And that was really good about how to frame your, how to verbally frame things for your client. And that was really helpful because it gives you a different perspective on, yes, you're telling them what the cards are saying, but framing it in a way that empowers them yeah. to go forward and to have that self like, that way to like control their future sort of like empowerment yeah. that they've got this, that yeah. you're not, that they're not depending on you is really, really helpful and really good. Um, I know that what's her name? Lindsay Mack from terror for the wild soul has some courses. I'm not through all of them yet or not all of them, all of like the one that I'm taking, but she has some as well. And it, it's through like a classroom layout, I guess. Um, where you oh. just like complete weeks and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. It's basically kind of what Ethany uses, the Teachable, I think it's Teachables or whatever that platform. Yeah. So I was just reflecting, like, I always want to do all of those things, but I know that I am the biggest slacker. The minute somebody gives me a syllabus or like a several weeks of things being laid yeah, out, stuff to do. I'll get through like 85% of it and then just never do it again. Like, I still haven't finished the Lenormand class the Lenormand that we took course? last summer. <laughs> Yeah, let me see, because I know Little Red Tarot used to do, like, an intro to tarot, like, email class. But I don't know if they do that anymore or not. Let me see. Little, because they were going to reformat the class. And theirs was also super queer friendly and inclusive. Learn Tarot on their website. Let's see. Alternative Tarot course. And the course cost is $100 with a sliding scale. And I took this before they reformatted everything and it was really good. Oh, awesome. So if you're looking for an intro to tarot that course. That could be a good one to do. That would be a good one to take. It's an eight-week course, eight chapters, one per week. But you can also, I think they'll probably give you all of the materials ahead yes, of time. Yeah, so you could kind of. So it's not like you're, so you can pace it yourself. And there's workbooks like, and stuff. So it's really good. I'm just, it's just so risky for me. <laughs> I'm just so well, bad at it. Yeah. Well, Benabelle stuff, you can just do like it all at the same time. Yeah. There's no weekly format. So, yeah. The other thing that that you could do if like that format doesn't work for you would be to kind of create your own syllabus. If you like kind of like go through a book that you already have or whatever and really liked initially, just go through that again more slowly and do more journal prompting and more 
work through each component. That could also be a way to sort of self-lead a summer class. Didn't OTM Academy just come out with a $44 course about um, like, like you're going through one tarot deck. Let me see. What is this? They just release it. Oh, here we go. Is it the 52 days with your tarot deck? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. it's uh, OTM underscore Academy on Instagram collaborating with Kiala Givehand is the uh, co-creator. And she is calling herself a life alchemist, which I really love. Ooh. But it's a uh, deck self-study in a self-paced online class for tarot enthusiast students and professionals. It allows you to take one tarot deck of your choice and study it for 52 days. Why? To better understand the deck and its imagery. So that... And it's like it's journaling and creative prompts for every single card. It's interesting that it's 52 because obviously the tarot deck is 78 cards. So I'm curious to right. see kind of how they um, maybe they just take out the court cards. Would that count? I don't know. And then also it's 40 percent off. Yeah, it's like 44 bucks right now. Yeah. So if you go to OTM Academy's Instagram page, they're an amazing creator anyway. And so I just saw this and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So, but do you see these cards that she has with all the questions? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. They're really great. Yeah, they're really great journaling stuff. Yeah. Mystic Maker Muse question cards for creatives available soon. And it's all like prompting questions. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. She makes some really great decks. Oh, that's true because OTM has like a store on make playing cards where she has like literally. Yeah. Probably so 11 decks. decks or something. Decks. Like, so yeah. many cool decks that she's created. Yeah. So super cool. But yeah, yeah, that's a really affordable course. And also, it would be a good way to get your feet wet because uh, if it's mostly journaling and prompts and stuff, just seeing if a class is right for you, that might be a good uh-huh. fit. Because it's, like, so yeah. personal. You get to choose the deck you want to use. And it's like you getting to know one specific deck through the 52 days. I think that's really cool and special. Yeah, totally. Not like being distracted by other decks. You're kind of building a relationship with each deck and you can reuse the course forever. Yeah, totally. All those prompts you could just keep doing as needed. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with summer school. Yeah. And we'll be having little summer school re, re, you know, re-upping courses. Yeah, exactly. Just by re-releasing those episodes, we're doing a little summer schooly thing too. So excited. (laughs) Exciting. (laughs) All right. Our deck of the week this week. Our deck of the week is Mythical Creatures Tarot by Karen Mahoney, Alex Ukolov, and Elena Kozachuk. The Baba Studios website says, The deck is based on a variety of magical and fascinating creatures from world mythology, ranging from the familiar, such as the unicorn and the giant, to the less known, like the Irish, Amadon, and the strange conjoined alchemical rebus. I'm 100% sure that that Irish word is probably not pronounced the way I said it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um... This deck has been in process since August of 2005, and we want it to be an exceptional piece. The images are painstakingly drawn in pen and ink by the brilliantly talented Russian artist Lena Kozachuk, with a great deal of input and image ed- editing from Alex Ukolov. It's been a real partnership with both enhancing with both enhancing the skills of the other. Karen Mahoney designed the concept and structure of the deck. The watercoloring was done by Irish artist Geraldine Wozner, working in close cooperation with Karen and Alex. Um, 
So the weird thing is that within a few days of announcing that we were going to review this deck last week, uh, Benabel yes. Wen posted a really interesting blog post that involved some conversations surrounding pirated decks because that's yes. been a huge hot button issue the last few weeks um, with stuff popping up on like Wish and eBay and Etsy even Walmart. and Walmart.com <laughs> and all sorts of different places that are like clearly pirated decks. And um, yeah. So that's been a continued conversation. And the creator of this deck, Tara or Karen, posted about some of her issues with doing business with Chinese printing companies. She doesn't print any of her decks in China. And the reason is because she has been apparently told by her attorney that once you basically send your deck to China to be printed, that it's like open market free for all. That's based on a lot of really problematic racist ideas about China. um, And that kind of Westerners have about Asian countries in general that like Asia has no copyright law and all of this stuff. So uh, we'll link to Benabel's post in the show notes. Um, And moving forward, we probably won't buy anything that she created. No. Uh, But just not even just because of that. Also because this deck is very expensive. Expensive. And all the Baba Studios decks are kind of like known for being very expensive. So this was kind of like one of those splurges because I loved the content so much. But also we have a pre-order from them still. Didn't we get another one of their decks? I don't think so. I can't find an email with a confirmation of another deck that we've bought from them. So I think that this will be our last one. Um, but yeah, so it's the Benabel piece is really important to read, but the deck itself is freaking gorgeous. And it's one of those things where yeah. I think other people will probably not let that prevent them from buying it. Mm-hmm. But I know for us and kind of like where our moral stance is, we yeah. won't. Won't any further. Yet. Yeah. Cause we put our money where our mouth is. Exactly. Exactly. Like, so it was like one of those things where it, the Benabel posted the post, like <laughs> literally two days after our episode went up announcing we were going to do it. And we're like, Oh no, like we've tr- been trying to be so thoughtful about what we're reviewing lately. And then suddenly it's like just really missing the mark. So, so where can you find this deck? The Baba Studios store, Baba store.com. Baba Studios is a Irish company. Um, that has kind of like a lot of luxurious decks, I would yes. say. Uh, yes. This one was, is by far the most expensive tarot deck I own, I think, because it was $80. Oh, no, 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 no. The one that we got for your birthday last year was more expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't buy that. That was a gift, Aster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm like, you cannot say that. That's true. A lot of money. So okay, it's sorry. not the most expensive deck I own. It's the most expensive deck I've purchased. You've I'm purchased. like looking yes. at my bookshelf, making sure. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it was $80 or 85 or something. Maybe yeah. even more than that. I don't totally remember. I have their Victorian romantic tarot and that was 125 Korean, which is about a hundred American. Yeah. So yeah, that's like, but, but yeah. That's the kind of like the range you'll get with Baba Studio. Yeah, totally. Like the high, definitely higher range. Totally. Uh, it's a standard size, about five by yeah. three. There's an extra card that is an additional three of cups. Um, and it so the, this is kind of like a style of printing that I never had words for before, but I actually really like, which is the metallic underlay. 
Yeah. So there's like metallic ink under some of the more like watercolory ink. So it's under the varnish. It doesn't wear off, but it makes it look really kind of dynamically shiny. Like it's not just yeah. shine. It's like a sheen. Like it just feels yeah. really. It's glittery ish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It kind of adds a glitter to the whole shebang. Yeah. Uh, the majors and court cards each have illustrations of a mythical creature. The minors are more uh, Pip-like. Yeah. And it, they also, in the guidebook, can be read using either the Tarot de Marseille style or the Rider Waite Smith style. So there's a lot of like fluidity with that. Um, mm-hmm. It is on 330 grand playing card stock. And uh, it feels like a little bit plasticky. It's not. It's just yeah, the varnish is a little not. bit plasticky. And the box itself is like a hinged box that's really sturdy. Yes, 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 yes. And it comes it with like, like a book. Yeah, it does look like a book. Like it kind of can clasp closed. And open. It's fully art. clapping. <laughs> uh, the little white book is like truly a little white book. Like it's just stapled yeah. white paper. Um, but like I said, it has the Rider Waite Smith and Tara de Marseille definitions for all of the cards. And another cool component of it is that for the majors and the court cards that have mythical creatures, they have the uh, definitions in. Uh, oh, let me get to that section so that I don't step on my feet. So it has the sort of like explanation of what the creature is, the RWS meaning, the Terra de Marseille meaning, and then a specifical, specifical, that's not a word. <laughs> specific mythical creature meaning. And I think that that's kind of what makes it a really interesting deck, because I think that if you are somebody who really loves cryptids and really loves mythical creatures, you could use it just solely using those mythical creatures meanings, which obviously Mm -hmm. align with the traditional meanings in some way, shape or form, but it adds a little bit more like dynamic understanding because we have all of these, it's like usually a mythical creature doesn't just have one story about it. There can be several. Right. So you can see like different like personality components if you know that mythical history. Uh, so I think right. that that's kind of like a special thing about the book, even though the book is just like very straightforward. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, like I said, the, the construct variations are that only the major arcana and court cards are illustrated. The minor arcana can be read either way. And they also have different sort of outlines depending on the suits. So the cups all have more of like a blue sort of scrolly border. The wands mm-hmm. have red for fire. The coins have goldish. There's like a lion at the top. And the swords have like a blue that's kind of like a Valkyrie almost. Like it's a winged yeah. woman. There's a lot of like intricate sort of like greenery work. And the art is just like really visually stunning. Yeah, it's there's layers. Every time you look at at this card, there's something new to see. And there's like new details always kind of popping out at you. Yeah, totally. It's really, really pretty. Uh, Okay, so cultural components. Where are my notes? So it's all mythical creatures. So obviously there's going to be some that are humanoid and some that are not. So rather than talking about specific bodies, I went through the book and uh, tracked which regions and areas the different mythical creatures come from. So 
For the most part, the mythical creatures are either general mythical creatures, meaning that they either weren't attributed to a specific region or are things like unicorns where it's just kind of like there are a lot of similar types of mythical creatures in a lot of different cultures or specifically Greek, like the Minotaur. And um, there are some other ones too that of course, now that I'm saying it out loud, I can't think of off the top of my head. (laughs) There's it's a lot of like European um, Slavic, Irish, Norse, sorts of uh, figures, but there is a few Persian mythical creatures, a couple of Egyptian mythical creatures that aren't also attributed to Greek um, mythical creatures. And it looks like maybe one Chinese mythical creature, which is interesting. And I think that that's kind of like an interesting thing about a deck that's all mythical creatures is that like, if it's a mythical creature from a closed practice, would that be something that we'd want to have included? So it's it's definitely yeah. like Western feeling because it's a lot of stuff that you would have heard as like a small child or maybe just small children who are super obsessed with mythology like me. But a lot of it's stuff that we Americans and Europeans would have a lot of access to just in sort of like cultural conversations. Right. And we'd be familiar with that. Yeah, totally. Um... So yeah, it's all mythical creatures. Um, the tone, the colors used is very watercolory with that interesting metallic underlay. Uh, so it feels really, I don't want to say magical because I'm feeling so conflicted about the deck in general, but right. it feel, there's like some etherealness to it because of the like very, very subtle sparkliness of that metallic underlay. I hope more people do that because it's a really cool... Yeah. It's a really, it's a really neat nice method method. Yeah. It's a really neat method to kind of like make it both seem like hand painted, but also shiny. Um, right. And I think that it's probably appropriate for readers who are maybe a little bit more familiar with tarot. I don't, I can't imagine this being somebody's first tarot deck because I do no. think that there's like enough variation from RWS that you could read it and be like, what the hell How does, like, especially, for example, one of my WTF cards is the Emperor, which is the Minotaur, and it just seems like... Oh, yeah, Minotaur, yeah. The Minotaur was, like, an enslaved mythical creature who lived in a labyrinth and not necessarily, like, a king. So it's, like, there's some things where it's, like, it might not be that good for somebody who's not super familiar with the card meetings in and of itself. Because when you read the explanation in the little white book, you can kind of buy it. But it's like that sort right. of thing where you'd want to already be semi-familiar with tarot and maybe also fairly familiar with mythical creatures, to be honest. Yeah, and well, well especially with the miners being pips. Yeah. It, like we've discussed before with pips and a new reader, if that's not something you're learning with is like a pip version of just seeing six cups and kind of being able to recall what the six of cups means, then that may kind of like be intimidating for you when you do a reading for yourself and for other people. Yeah, so. totally. Uh, okay. So I want to hear about your favorite cards. Okay. My, the computer battery is dying. It's plugged up, but it keeps saying like, I'm not plugged up. And I'm like, you're plugged up. Okay. So we'll it be just f- keeps nagging. If you die. So if I disappear. If you die, I'll finish. I'll finish like okay. our outro. Okay. 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 But we, so if this episode is short, it's not my fault. The computer it's is dying. definitely not going to be short. <laughs> We've been recording we'll for an hour and 20 minutes, but keep we going. Have. Sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. It's okay. So, um, so favorite cards, I, 
I like the amount of dragons, so I'm just going to do all the dragons kind of together. <laughs> so I have the Queen of Wands. I, at first, I was offended because the Queen of Coins was so beautiful, and I'm like, how dare you? I'm the Queen of Wands. <laughs> I am a like a dragon, but the dragon itself, like she just luxurious and beautiful. Yeah, and, I love a like, dragon. Has all the things, and it's very powerful. Why on earth is this computer being so mean to me? I think the Knight of Cups makes me laugh so much because he's like coming out of the water with all of his emotion destroying a ship yeah so to me, that it's was very such an much interesting like, knight of cups to me because it's so much more destructive than normal knight knights yeah. of cups are that's one of my WTF like cards okay well it's, for me it's just like a funny card because i just appreciate that it shows how like reckless the knights can be because i don't think that point kind of comes across a lot of times yeah is how reckless they are and so to me that was like a like a nice little Touche. Yeah, like, yeah. Especially with that card, which you call the fuckboy card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. there's destructiveness. It's very destructive. And then the hermit is my favorite dragon because he's just on his gold horde yeah. and he's just hermited the fuck out of himself. So I love that. Let's see. I also enjoy the attack on the tower of that kraken I coming out of the water. I love that, ship. that kraken. That kraken is beautiful. He's bold he's eating that ship the best that he can and i'm here for it <laughs> um i like the human mermaid ver- that was like humanoid no this mermaids version of the three of cups yeah i just think that's so beautiful and the metallic overlay really makes a dynamic deck very very um like appealing yeah and it's just not flat it's like living characters you kind of feel like they can move at any moment yeah totally i think the metallic also makes it seem a little bit uh like more textured. Yeah, very much so. And of course, like I spoke before, the queen of coins is one of my favorites because she has just beautiful flowers in her hair. She's rooted. And I love that. She's a dyad. Do you want to talk? Queen of cups is one of my, we can talk about, yeah, we can, yeah, we can talk about a dyad. Okay. We'll use the queen of cups as an example because you might die before we pull a card for each of us. Okay. So, the queen of coins, the dryad. Did I say dyad? I meant dryad. You said dyad. Dryads are tree spirits, beautiful nymphs, guardians of the trees and the forest. They are immortal, unlike uh, ha- hama dryads who die when their tree dies and variously associated with different trees, especially oaks. They were mentioned in classical literature and later in the writing of many poets. The RWS meaning is the normal one. The TL, the Terra de Marseille is also the normal for Terra de Marseille. And then the specific mythical creature meaning says a woman who is one with nature, someone with a green thumb who loves plants, a special tree that almost seems sentient, maybe a sacred tree or magical tree. So you can see that like there's that component where it's like, yeah. RWS, a practical domestic woman, a person who you can lean on and trust, somebody motherly and supportive, the creator of a great home environment, a skilled and experienced craft woman. And then the mythical creature meaning is like more nature focused and more tree focused. Yeah. And it's kind of like a nice, it aligns with some of the feelings that come with the queen of, of the queen of pentacles, but also goes into the mythical creature meaning, which is cool. Yeah, I love it. And that was my last favorite card. Oh, so awesome. Your favorite cards? I really liked the Tower and the Queen of Coins, too. I think the Krakens are really, really fun. Um, they're some of my favorites. There's a vampire card, the Devil card. It's a sexy, sexy yes. vampire, uh, which I thought was funny because that seems... I always forget that the vampire had some, like, sexiness 
Yeah. In well, it, it, it also seemed like out of the realm of a mythical creature, but I was like, well, I guess so. That, it's okay, t- I got it. <laughs> it's just like more of like a modern myth. Like I think that the the vampire yeah. had sort of the vampire with that name was something that kind of came about in like the 19th century. I think before right, that right. it was always like called other stuff. Unless you watch Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer and then it's been vampires since the primordial era. <laughs> the first slayer, guys. Uh, I also really love the King of Cups because it's the green man, but he's also like in water and there's all these really beautiful orange fish at the bottom. And it's just like, there's so much movement and interest in that card that I just can't get enough of it. The high priestess is a sphinx. I want to say, let me just really quickly. look. Yes. I think it's, I believe so. Um, high priestess. Where are you, my dear? That is the problem with having so many different definitions is that it can be really, really hard to differentiate between like different additional meanings. Oh, yeah, it is the Sphinx. Okay. And it's I think that the inner wisdom involved with the Sphinx is really cool. And it's also just really pretty. I just always have loved the Sphinx. Yeah. Uh, And then my last favorite card is the Wheel of Fortune because I love Wheels of Fortune that have kind of like the maiden mother and crone on them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah. And I love the, what are those things called? Swans. Yep. There you go. Swans. (laughs) (laughs) And the owl. Between the two of us will have one brain. Yeah, exactly. We have one brain to rule them all and it's not firing (laughs) on all cylinders right now at all. No, maybe that's the difference between having a cup of coffee and having a cup of green tea. The green tea is just like not going to cut it. No. (laughs) Um, But I also I yeah, I just really love that Wheel of Fortune, too, because they're the um, fates. So they I think they have like the strand of fate between them. And I just think that it's a really interesting uh, component of the Wheel of Fortune. Um, The Norns, actually. So the Norns, the three sisters, Earth, Verthandi, and Sklud sat at the... Oh, my God. Why am I trying to read these Norse words? <laughs> sat at the foot of the Tree of Life, whose name I will not attempt, and controlled fate in Norse and Anglo-Saxon mythology. Um, oh. So they are the fates. That's, like, kind of a component of it, just yeah. with more complicated names that I'm not even going to try. Okay, so WTF cards. Do you have any WTF cards? I have a one. I think it's my first one on the podcast. Is the moon, because the moon's a werewolf. Oh, yeah. But the werewolf has captured the lady, and the lady has nipples. Oh. So it's a very, like, very sexy moon. scary moon. Oh. He, I don't know if he's, <laughs> no, a sexy moon? What? I thinking, Who? I don't know. <laughs> Where am I? Yeah, I think this is more of a kidnap situation than, like, a voluntarily, like, situation. Yeah. Really going. Because he's, like, kind of holding her hair, but I don't know if it's, like, holding her hair and petting it, like, in love, or, like, holding her hair as in, like, and you're so not it's getting like away kind from of me, more sort of. violent than we need the moon to I be. need consent in this card. Yeah, totally. And so the, the specific mythological creature meaning for that is two natures in one persona, fascination, imagination, shape-shifting, trans-journeying, and transformation. But I think you're totally right if there's, like, some weird kidnappy thing it, Kind of takes the moon from being, like, introspective and quiet to being violent. Yeah, but it doesn't look to me like she's transitioning into the werewolf. Because I could understand, okay, like, trans, she's, like, but I don't see where she is the wolf. I just see where she's just a, yeah, you're totally right. She's just the victim. How weird. Yeah, yeah. Werewolves, man. 
Werewolves and real wolves. Okay. Uh, and then did you have any t- what WTF cards? So the Emperor seemed weird for me with the Minotaur, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read the definition of it because I think it clears up a little bit. But my impression of the Minotaur was always like, as somebody who is definitely not in control of their own lives right. or what's happening. So it seems like such a weird choice. So the Minotaur was a fierce creature best known for his part in the myth of Theseus, part man, part bull. He lived in a labyrinth designed by the architect Daedalus for King Minos of Crete. So this is where it gets so weird because like the RWS meaning is fathers and fathering logic and rationality, formal power, the head rather than the heart command and control a clever, calculated leader, wise leadership, masculine power, responsibility, and accountability. But he, so then the specific mythical creature meanings are power that has been constrained or controlled, power in mind and body, and a leader who demands sacrifice. So I almost feel like King Minos might have been the one might that actually better. has those things. Like he's controlling yeah. power. He's the leader who demands sacrifice. But the Minotaur himself doesn't have any power. He's super powerless. Right. Right. So I just feel like that's that a really weird, weird choice. Um, yeah. Just because it's like, see what that. is happening? Why are we yeah. doing this to this creature? Uh, and if you've read Circe, which all of us should have done because we told you to a thousand times uh, because we loved it so much. Then there's some stuff about the Minotaur in that too. Yeah. And it's also going to be made into a series. So you need to read before the series comes out. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for that. It's going to be so good. Um, Okay. And then the other one that's kind of a what uh, WTF is the King of Wands, Efreets, Efreets, which is a type of fiery gin in Arabian and Persian lore. They're considered really powerful, which I think aligns really closely with the King of Wands. But the specific mythical creature meaning also just kind of feels a little bit strange. Like someone who might be able to make all of your dreams come true, There, though there will be a price to pay. I don't necessarily think of the King of Wands in that framework. Um, so that's a little bit strange too. And I just realized that Esther's camera just cut off so I think that there's a really good chance that her computer just died um so I will wrap this up without her Esther you're gonna listen to this later and be like oh it took you a really long time to notice that I wasn't there anymore but that's just how I am as a human okay so uh I'm not gonna pull cards to represent our relationship with the deck um because Esther is no longer here with us on this call but Next week, we are going to have a re-release of one of our episodes, one of our previous episodes as part of like our Wildly Tarot Summer School. And that's our show. Don't forget to send us your questions. Uh, You can find all of our contact information at wildlytarot.com. You can also find our decks that we sell as well as um, just a lot of different resources. So that's a really helpful thing for you to check out. And we're definitely looking for some more questions. Uh, We've had a little bit of a um downturn in them since the stay-at-home orders went into place so I think that maybe people just have less going on in their lives but we can help with benign or silly things too 
Uh, also tell your friends about us and rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And we also super appreciate it. Uh, we're almost to hundred iTunes reviews, which feels fantastic. And you can also follow us on Instagram or on Facebook. We're at wildly tarot podcast on Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook by searching for wildly tarot podcast. Uh, Esther will also link our discord server in the show notes, which has had some really cool conversations this week. So we're so glad that we ended up going through with that. And we have merch on Red Bevel. What else do we talk about here? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, I'm on my own. I never close this out by myself, but I love you. And I hope everybody has a great day. Uh, we did it. 